All right, so we have made it to the final chapter in Jonah, and so today's gonna be our last message uh, in the book. And so as we've gone through this fascinating story, we saw in chapter one the prodigal prophet, the prodigal prophet. We say prodigal because God called Jonah, and Jonah ran away from the call of God. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and cry out against it because their evil had come up before him. And what did Jonah do? Jonah uh, ran away. How did he respond? God said, go, and you tell me. Jonah said what? He said, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. Nineveh's filled with Assyrians. And Assyrians, they're the bad people. You know, they um, are the enemies of Israel. And so he got on a ship and he fled in the opposite direction to what we would now call southern Spain, in those days, Tarshish. Now what happens when a child of God makes a choice to become a prodigal? Well, sometimes God will allow that person to go down, 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 so far down that the only direction left to look in is up. And that is what happened to Jonah. The Bible says that he went down to Joppa, and then he went down into the ship. And then after he got thrown overboard by the sailors, he went down into the sea. And then scariest of all, he went down into the belly of the great fish. Down, 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 until finally, finally, Jonah looks up, and he prayed. And so what we see now in chapter two, or what we saw in chapter two, was the praying prophet as Jonah cried out to the Lord. While he was inside of the fish, he realized, I'm still alive. And the prodigal prophet became the praying prophet as Jonah finally got right with the Lord. Listen, if you're a child of God and you're running away from the Lord today, here's what you need to know. God loves you and he wants you to come home. And he's there with his arms open wide. And so why in the world would you wait until a quote unquote whale swallows you? Why in the world would you wait until you go down, down, down? Why don't you just come and sprint back into the Father's arms this morning at the beginning of 2022 and then spend the rest of your life living for him? That's what you ought to do. Because it really is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so in the next scene, we saw a beached whale barfing up a slimy man. <laughs> That's the book of Jonah. And all of a sudden, you have a slimy guy, and he is determined to obey the Lord. God gave Jonah a second chance. How many of you guys are happy that God gives second chances right to us? That's a, a wonderful thing, and it's the, it's the heart of the Lord. So God gave Jonah a second chance and Jonah obeyed the Lord by preaching. And so in chapter three, we saw the preaching prophet as Jonah finally goes to Nineveh and he warns them about the coming judgment of God. Now praise the Lord, his preaching was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And thank the Lord that the Ninevites responded by turning to the Lord. And how did God respond? Well, by way of review, look at chapter three, verse 10. It says that when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. It says in chapter three 
uh, verse five, the Ninevites believed God. What was the result? They turned from their evil way. And what was the result? God relented, verse 10, of the disaster that he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. And so I think when I read that, what a gracious and merciful God. You know, it's true, ladies and gentlemen, whether you're talking about the Old Testament or whether you're talking about the New Testament, God, the Lord, Yahweh, he's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. And so now we see that God is happy. We see the Ninevites are happy. Everybody's happy, you know, everybody like group hug, group hug. Everybody's happy except for Jonah. And so today in chapter four, we're gonna see the petulant prophet as Jonah pouts about his circumstances. So what does the word petulant mean? Well, I kind of just sort of told you by using the word pout, but I'll define it further well, with the help of the dictionary. And so the New Oxford American Dictionary, petulant of a person or their manner, look at this, childishly sulky or bad-tempered. So I want you to think about a kid in a nursery, right, that has a temper tantrum. Think about that kid, right, and they're playing with a toy and somebody else comes, another little kid comes and takes the toy away and what does that kid do? Stomps their feet, right, folds their arm, maybe their face gets red and they're ah, right? Well, there's Jonah. You know, ladies and gentlemen, even though he's a prophet, spiritually speaking, he's still in the nursery spiritually. Even though Jonah rededicated his life to the Lord, he still had a lot of growing to do. And by the way, so do we all. And so God relented. He spared the Ninevites. And right now, if you're looking at chapter four, verse one, can you say amen? Here we go, last chapter. But it displeased Jonah. And I just gotta pause you right there. That is crazy to me. He was just part of perhaps the greatest spiritual awakening in the history of man, or at least one of them. And God decides to not judge and Jonah's displeased? What is going on here? Well, he's got a heart problem. It displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. And so the word angry here literally means hot. So when Jonah find out, found out that God is, was not going to judge the Ninevites, it was as if his face turned red and he just got mad. Now why? Well, first of all, you need to know that there's no excuse for this kind of behavior. But in Jonah's mind, the Assyrians were the enemies of Israel and he wanted the Assyrians to be eliminated. If you remember in past studies, uh, when we kicked off the book of Jonah, uh, we learned that the Assyrians, man, they had a cruel um, heart towards their enemies. They were notorious for their evil and wicked ways. When they conquered um, their enemy, often they would gouge out their eyes. They would cut out their tongues. They would put hooks in their mouths. They decided to spare you and take you back um, into captivity. But thankfully, look at this, how many of you guys believe God can change hearts and God can change lives? So thankfully, chapter three, verse 10, they turned from their evil way, therefore Jonah should have been glad. He should have been glad, but he's actually mad and he makes a choice 
to become bitter towards the Ninevites. Jonah's got a heart problem. Now look at verse two. It says, and he prayed to the Lord. And he said, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. It's like, wow, Jonah actually was so upset. He wanted to die. Now, maybe... Part of the reason this guy is so angry is because now that the Lord decided to spare the Ninevites, well, now he wouldn't return home as a hero. Perhaps Jonah was thinking at this time, if God would have wiped out the Assyrians, I may have become a a hero. I may have become famous back home. You know, maybe the headlines of the Israeli post would have said this, great prophet preaches doom to Nineveh and doom comes. Or, you know, Jonah has saved Israel from her enemies. And Jonah's upset. He's mad. He's thinking, man, I could have had a parade back home. They could have lauded me as a hero. But now, because God's so gracious and God's so merciful, none of that is going to happen. And ladies and gentlemen, he harbored bitterness in his heart toward the spared Ninevites. It's not right. So how should he have responded? Well, here's how he should have responded right here. Since God had been gracious and merciful to Jonah, he should have been gracious and merciful to the Ninevites. You guys see how that works? Since nobody said amen, I'm gonna read that again. (laughs) All right, so, so look at this. Since God had been gracious and merciful to Jonah, How should he have responded? He should have found it in his heart to be gracious and merciful to the Ninevites. Right? But instead, Jonah's like, God, you should have wiped them out. And God's like, Jonah, they turned from their evil ways. I don't care. They deserve judgment. But what do you deserve, son? What do you deserve, Jonah? Hey, Jonah, weren't you the guy back in chapter one when I told you to go to Nineveh? You got in a boat and went in the opposite direction? Jonah, weren't you the guy that hardened your heart against me? Jonah, weren't you the guy who decided to become a prodigal? What do you deserve? Jonah, I could have allowed you to drown in the Mediterranean Sea, but I sent a great fish and I gave you a second chance. So Jonah, if I've been so gracious and merciful toward you, why in the world are you not being gracious and merciful to others? So does anybody think there's a practical application for us right now? (laughs) Yeah, it's right here. It's what Paul said. Paul said, be kind to one another. Listen, this is a great verse for 2022 right here. Because you know what's happening to a lot of evangelicals? You know what's happening to a lot of us? Here's what's happening. We're sitting home and we're watching the news and we're getting mad at the world. And all of a sudden now we're self-righteous and now we're doing this to people who are far away from God and who need the Lord. And what kind of attitude is that? That's the wrong attitude. That's the attitude of Jonah and God is gonna correct that attitude here in a moment. And so Paul 
says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Look at this, forgiving each other. Why should I? Well, <laughs> just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, receiving him as the Savior and Lord of your life, here's what I know. God has been so gracious and merciful and forgiving to you. And so what do you call that? You call that amazing grace. And so if the shoe fits, wear it. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. But listen, if God has been so gracious and merciful to you, why in the world are you acting like Jonah toward that person who offended you, who wronged you. And so perhaps there's somebody in this room, perhaps there's somebody watching online, and you're holding a grudge against a person who did you wrong. And like Jonah, maybe you've become so bitter that you're really hoping secretly that God will judge that person who wronged you. It's like, God, did you see what that person did to me? Get him, Lord. And God's like, no, haven't you read the Bible? I'm slow to anger, I'm abounding in steadfast love. I think I'm gonna give that person some time to come around, let's see what happens. They don't deserve it, but what do you deserve, child? You guys seeing it this morning? So if you're not seeing it, here it is really plain. You and I are sinners, and we should be judged for our sin but God is a gracious God. So we thank God for that. So our attitude isn't this, our attitude is I love you, I forgive you, and I want to have the heart of the Lord. So the bottom line, since the Lord has been so gracious and merciful to us, we should be gracious and merciful to others. Jonah really needed to learn that example, and God's gonna call him out. Because here's what God, this is what I like about God, is that he calls us out when our hearts are not right. When our attitudes are wrong, when our actions are wrong, God calls us out. And so he says in verse four, the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Hey, Jonah. Do you really think it's right that you have this kind of attitude toward the Ninevites? And did you guys notice that there's no answer recorded from Jonah? And so apparently he did not respond. But we know the answer to God's question, hey Jonah, do you have the right attitude? The answer is no. Jonah shouldn't have been so petulant. And now what we're gonna do in verse five is we're gonna pump the brakes and we're just gonna spend most of the time in verse five because first Five is so, has so much application for us today. So if you're looking at verse five, can you say amen here? All right, so Jonah, okay, he doesn't answer the Lord, so apparently he just storms off. And Jonah went out of the city and he sat to the east of the city and he made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. All right, so for whatever reason, Jonah thinks there's still a chance that God is gonna judge these people. And so he goes outside the city, he builds a booth for himself. What does that mean? That means he just went and got some leafy branches and he propped them up together and now he's sitting underneath this booth, these branches, right, because the sun is hot and so he's sitting there, probably up on a hill, um, looking down at the city, waiting to see what in the world's gonna happen. 
Now, again, I want you to read verse five with me. You read it in your heart. I'm gonna read it out loud, and we're gonna pull some application out of here. It says, Jonah went out of the city, and he sat east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there, and he sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. I read that, and I think, no wonder the guy is so miserable. So let's break it down. Why was Jonah so miserable? Here's why. Three words, because he chose to be separated, because he chose to be self-focused, and because he chose to be a spectator. All right, so he went out of the city. That means that he separated, he isolated himself from others. No doubt, with the self-righteous attitude, I'm up here, you're down there, I am better than you. Separated. But not only that, it says that he made a booth for himself. And so that shows that he was self-focused. He's thinking about his own comfort over the welfare of the Ninevites. And the reason I say that is because where should this guy be? He is a prophet of Yahweh. These people just turn to the Lord. What do they need? They need some follow-up. He should be down there serving them. But instead, he's up on a hill and he's making a booth for himself. The sun is hot, I need shade. And so my comfort is what's most important right now. It says that he went outside the city to see what would become of the city. So he became a spectator. I want you to picture the scene in modern terms. There's Jonah up on a hill, sitting underneath an umbrella with his sunglasses on, sipping a Coke. And his attitude is this. Hey, any minute now, fire's gonna come down and boom, roasted Ninevites. That's what's going on in the Bible. And you wanna shake this guy. And you wanna say, Jonah, what are you thinking? Jonah, what are you doing? You are just part of one of the greatest spiritual awakenings in the history of mankind. You should really be down there you should be ministering and serving and teaching these people the ways of God. Jonah, don't you get it? God is glad that he didn't have to judge these people. It's time to wake up. It's time to smell the coffee. It's time to realize the true heart of God. God is glad that he didn't have to judge. And you need to have that kind of heart as well. But this guy's petulant. This guy's pouting. And he's not thinking that way. What is he doing? He is consumed with himself. He's disconnected from others, and he's miserable. And that leads you to your next point. The next point is, if we choose to be isolated from people, if we choose to be focused primarily on ourselves, and if we choose not to serve others, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? We're gonna be miserable too. You wanna be miserable in 2022? Let your life be all about me, myself, and I. You wanna be miserable in 2022? Then choose to isolate, choose to focus on yourself, choose to not serve others. Now we're gonna come back to that in a little while, um, but first I wanna say this. I love eschatology. Switching gears here, I know, totally different thought. The word eschatology means end times. 
When I was, I think, around 20 years old, I was in Bible college and I took a course on eschatology um, and I, the, the, the book for the class was a very thick book called Things to Come by Dr. Dwight Pentecost. And so I learned way back then, I can't believe it, it's 35 years ago. Okay, that means I'm 55 years old in case you're doing the math right now. Okay, so 35 years ago, I'm in Bible college and I'm studying end time events and I thank God for uh, brilliant scholars like Dr. Dwight Pentecost because in the beginning of the book, he taught us how to interpret the Bible. So important, that's where you gotta start. It's called hermeneutics. Um, you can learn more about it at gotquestions.org, Blue Letter Bible, etc. And so we learned how to interpret the Bible, and then he went out in very long detail showing all the different eschatological or end-time positions of different denominations, and then he, he shared what he thought was the biblical model, and I was a believer. And so ever since, um, there was one time when I, 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 I kind of um, doubted a little bit about the end times uh, position, but um, for the vast majority, 99.9% of the time, since I was 20 years old until now, and you gotta, you gotta know this about your pastor, and by the way, this is a Calvary Chapel, this is what all Calvary Chapels believe around the world, okay, so we, are, we believe in a pre-tribulational rapture. That means that the next event on God's prophetic calendar is we're out of here, because Jesus Christ, we're his bride, and he's taking us out before the wrath comes. Jesus is not gonna beat up his bride, he's not gonna pour out wrath on his bride. So the church, the true church, is gone. But more important than that position, I'm also what's called a premillennialist. And what does that mean? That means I believe Jesus Christ is coming back pre, before the millennium, and that there will be a literal thousand year reign of Christ. Okay, so um, now when I look at end times prophecies, and I've taught through Daniel, I think once or twice, uh, once for sure. I taught through Revelation twice um, here, and all that's on, online if you wanna listen to those messages. But when I, when I read um, the prophetic part of the scriptures, and ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. If you're listening, say amen here. Amen. When I see the rebirth of Israel as a nation in 1948, and listen, that is the end times prophecy that is the key. That has set the stage for the Lord to come back whenever he wants to come back. That is a modern day miracle. It breaks my heart that there's so many churches that think that, that Israel coming back to the land in 1948 has no significance uh, prophetically. Are you kidding me? Of course it does. That's why I'm so excited about taking you guys to Israel every two years. We're going again in May. But when I see the rebirth of Israel as a nation, when I see the rise of anti-Semitism, when I see the swift increase of technology making um, possible the mark of the beast, whatever that's gonna be in the future, when I see the dawn of our nuclear age, when I see the apostasy of the so-called church, when I see the last day's war of Gog and Magog, which is very feasible in our day and age, and there's more. When I read the prophetic parts of scripture, it gets me excited that the rapture could happen very soon. That Jesus Christ is coming back. So in light of this, as believers, we have a choice. We can imitate Jonah 
right, and sit up on a hill somewhere with sunglasses on under an umbrella, sipping our Coke and thinking the rapture's gonna happen soon and then God is gonna pour out his wrath uh, during the tribulation period on the earth, but I don't care because I'm out of here. We can have that attitude, right? And like Jonah, we can choose to separate and isolate ourselves somewhere away from the culture. We can choose to become self-focused, thinking primarily about ourselves, and we can choose to become spectators of a world that's filled with needy people and become miserable, or we can do something else and that is we can choose to understand that yes we are in the fourth quarter of human history therefore we're going to be the opposite of Jonah we're going to have an opposite attitude and an opposite actions and instead of being miserable we're going to be joyful and so let's break it down even further miserable Jonah separated isolated himself from the culture, how can we be the opposite and how can we be joyful? Here's your next point. This is application station right here. Joyful you? Well, instead of being separated or isolated from the world, here's what we gotta do. We need to be in the world, but not of it. We gotta be in the world and not of the world. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says to his followers, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so here's a good question. How in the world can we be the light of the world if we're separated and isolated from the world? It just can't happen. But but, but, but listen, um, in this age of modern technology, have you guys noticed how individualistic our culture has become? And we're all, you know, in our own little space, we're our own little mobile device or laptop or whatever, and we're all about ourselves and we're isolating ourselves and the Lord is saying, hey, you're the light of the world. You need to get out there. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not advocating that we should be like the world to reach the world. I think that's a recipe for failure. And so there's some Christians that wanna do that and so they adopt sinful lifestyles like the world in order to try to reach the world and all you're doing, listen, is you're allowing the world to dominate and influence you and diminish your light. You remember Romans 12, uh, verse two, don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I'm not advocating becoming like the world in order to reach the world. I'm also not saying, when it comes to our friends, that we should be close friends with unbelievers. Now the reason I say that is because it's really hard to be close with somebody who does not share your core beliefs and values. And so how in the world can we be close with someone if they have a different worldview, if they have different values, if they have different core beliefs? So I'm not saying we should be close friends. Listen, but can't we at least be friendly? (laughs) You see, 
And who's our example? Jesus, the light of the world, the light of the world. And so what did Jesus do? What Jesus did is that he was in the world, but he wasn't of the world. Listen to this. If you're listening, say amen here. Listen to our Savior. We're going to study it for a whole year. But Jesus loved and served people who were far away from God. He went after them. He never allowed them to diminish his light, but he showed his light, shown his light to them. And then if you are thinking right now, well, that was Jesus and that's not me. Well, if you're a born again Christian, the spirit of who lives inside of you? The spirit of Jesus. So we are the light of the world as well. And let's put that light on a stand in 2022. Miserable Jonah separated, isolated himself. And not not only that, he was self-focused. So how can we be the opposite and be joyful? Next point, if you're taking notes, joyful you, well, you gotta have your priorities straight. What does that mean? That that means Jesus is number one, others are number two, and I'm last, or you're last. That's the recipe for joy. And so listen, I'm just asking you to do spiritual inventory in your heart before the Lord, and just be real before God, because God sees in your heart, he sees the real deal anyway. And so just ask yourself, is that really my priorities today? And if not, then make a change. But is Jesus Christ really number one in your life? In other words, can you honestly say, say, Lord, I love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. Jesus, no one is more important than you. Jesus, nothing is more important than you. And I'm not just saying a bunch of words because here's what happens. It's evidenced in my life in that every single day of my life, I'm gonna seek you out and I'm gonna hang out with you and I'm gonna spend time with you. And Lord, I'm gonna open up your word and I'm gonna receive the word into my life and I'm gonna pray and I'm not just gonna talk a bunch of words, but I'm also gonna sit and I'm gonna listen. And not only that, I'm, I'm gonna sing to you. And it may not be as awesome as, as Reagan and Jordan sing, it'd probably be horrible, but I know that you like it, Lord, because I'm singing from my heart to your heart to worship you. I love you. Number one, Jesus Christ. Number two, others. What does that mean, practically speaking? That means that if you see a brother or sister in need in 2022, and the Lord puts it on your heart to meet the need, even if it costs you, even if it's a great expense from your own pocket, you meet the need. You do it, and don't let, don't go out and blow your trumpet like a Pharisee about how you did all this good stuff for people. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, but just go meet the need. Jesus, others, and then you or me, Last, what does that mean? That means that I I know who I am. I am a servant of Jesus Christ and I am a servant of other people. Listen, I'm talking about the blessed life right now. I'm talking about um, having joy right now. And it's okay if I put myself last, why? Because Jesus said the, the first will be last and the last will be first. So I know the Lord's gonna bless me as I live this way. Now, had you guys noticed it? I, I underlined it, J-O-Y. What does that spell? Go ahead and shout it out. Joy. Joy. 
This is the key to joy in 2022. But listen, if you decide to put yourself first, and then others, and then Jesus, that's Y-O-J, that's Yaj. That doesn't make sense. And your life isn't gonna make sense either. And so let's be the opposite of Jonah. Jonah, miserable Jonah, separated himself from others. He was self-focused. He became a spectator. All right, so how can we be the opposite of that and be joyful? Well, if you're taking notes, your next point is get in the game. Come down from the hill, Jonah, and get in there and minister to these people. They turned to the Lord, now they need to learn about the Lord. And you're a prophet of Israel. Get in there and serve. What are you doing being a spectator? You only have one life, it'll soon be last. It'll soon pass, and only what's done for Christ is gonna last, church family. So we need to come down out of the stands, and we need to get in the game. What does that mean? That means that we understand biblically that the church was born on the day of Pentecost. And that for the last 2,000 years, there's been thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of local churches, and here we are in 2022, and we're one of those local churches. And so you read the New Testament, you see Paul's letter to Ephesus, Paul's letter to the church of Thessalonica, Paul's letter to the church of Philippi, Paul's letter to the church of Colossae. These were local churches. Guess what? We are a local church. And so the Lord wants you, Christian, to find a local church and put your roots down and serve, get out of the stands and serve the Lord. You say, this sounds like a challenge for 2022. Yes, it is. Let's be the opposite of Jonah. And so let's not be spectators just sitting in a row twice a month where we come and hear some guy share the word of God, but let's actually get involved. Let's, let's, in the context of this local church, if the Holy Spirit's leading you here, then this is for you. The Lord may lead you to another local church. Just obey the Lord. But if the Lord's leading you here, here's our three words. We want you to connect, we want you to grow, and we want you to invest. And so connect, what does that mean? You're coming to a, a worship gathering and you think, you know what? I think the Lord's calling me here. Great! Now go, go, go to Discover Calvary across the street with pa- Pastor Andrew and learn what it means to be um, a, a part of this local body. We want you to connect and then we want you to grow. What does that mean? That means commit to spending time with Jesus in your personal devotions. That means submit to the life application, verse by verse teaching of God's word. We're going through John. Man, man, it's gonna be awesome to see the words and works of the great I am. And not only that, it means getting into a smaller discipleship environment. Not just in a row, but getting into a circle where, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. I feel like I'm gonna just like explode all over the place and I feel sorry for you guys on the first row. But, but he, he, here's what you need to know. That God has given you a gift or gifts. It's not just about one guy standing up here and sharing the gift to a bunch of spectators. No! It's about you finding out what is your spiritual gift and then getting in a smaller discipleship environment into a circle and exercising that gift and you're actually getting to know people and you're making friends and it's not, about, not all about you but it's about that guy or that lady and you're pouring into them and you're praying for them and you're ministering to, to them and you're sharing your gift. 
And so, will you take the challenge in 2022 and not just sit in a row, but get into a circle? You'll have a chance to do that in February, to get into a group, to get into a class, or to get into a discipleship environment. By the way, you can go to our website, click Next Steps, and all this is explained in detail. But we want you to connect, we want you to grow, and we want you to invest. That means serve. Serve across the street at our school, serve here in the church, wherever the Lord leads you, but just begin to serve the Lord and invest as far as financially supporting the church. If this is your local church, that's what we ask you to do. Because listen, you know what you, know what you do when you're in a family? Everybody chips in. So it's not just spectators, it's coming out of the stands and it's connecting and growing and it's serving. And so Jonah, man, we gotta do the opposite of this guy. And look at verse six now. It says, now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah. Okay, so Jonah's not getting it. He's got the wrong heart attitude. And so the Lord is very gracious and the Lord's gonna be the teacher, Jonah's gonna be the student, and this plant is gonna be the object lesson. And the Lord's gonna attempt to get through to Jonah's heart here. And so verse six, the Lord God appointed a plant and he made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. And so Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. And so you know what's, what's crazy about this is that the booth that Jonah made, apparently it's not good enough to keep the hot sun off of his head. And so the Lord's like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make a plant. Now some people say in the commentaries this is probably a castor oil plant. I don't know. All I know is that it's got big leaves and it miraculously grew very, very fast. But it's God's object lesson. And so the Lord blessed him with this fast growing plant that provides lots of shade for him and Jonah is so happy. You know why, ladies and gentlemen? He's so happy because life is all about Jonah. He's the center, it's all about his comfort. And now all of a sudden he's got something that's making him comfortable. So he's so happy. But how many of you guys know that Jonah is so immature? And his moods are based on his circumstances. So his happy mood is gonna change really quick in verses seven and eight. Let's look at it. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant. See, that's what God does when we have idols in our lives. He takes them away. And so God prepared a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. And so because this plant provided Jonah with comfort, I know it sounds ridiculous, but he fell in love with the plant. Again, because Jonah is all about me, myself, and I, he's so happy when he has this comfortable plant keeping, him, um, keeping the sun off his head. But as soon as that's taken away, now all of a sudden he's pouting again. Up and down, up and down. It's the sign of immaturity. And you know what's really sad? 
If you're listening now, say amen here. What's really sad is that Jonah cared more about a plant than he cared about people. Talk about a materialistic mindset. Talk about a worldly mindset. He cares more about a plant than he cares about people. So here's your last two verses. I want you to stay with me all the way to the end here. It says that God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? By the way, how many of you guys know that God is a very patient teacher with us? This is amazing how patient he is. Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, Jonah, 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 that's in the Hebrew. (laughs) You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Verse 11, and should not I pity Nineveh? that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons. Most scholars believe that's talking about little kids. In which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. And then all of a sudden, abruptly, the book ends right there. And so, where's the beef? Apparently, it's still out in the fields outside of Nineveh because God did not judge Nineveh. The cattle are still alive, but way more important than cattle are people. And so here's what God was saying to Jonah. Jonah, if you care for a plant which you didn't create, shouldn't I be allowed to care for a city full of people whom I did create? Shouldn't I care? Do you see the heart of God? It's a heart of compassion. And so from the story of Jonah, last point, what should we be praying for? We should be praying for a heart like the Lord. We should be praying for compassion for people. Church family, listen to me. We need to love people. We need to love saved people. We need to love lost people. We need to love all people. We gotta get off the hill. Yes, we should clap right now and be that loving church. Because listen, when love is in the house, you won't be able to keep people away. We should be known in the community. That's a loving church. Man, those people love you. Instead of being up on the hill and being mad at the world or watching the news Right, and all of a sudden we, we draw a line between us and them and we're so angry at them. Well, what if they need the Lord? Is your self-righteous, angry attitude at them really gonna help them come to the Lord? No, why don't you just put all that aside and stop being a Jonah and start being kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just like God in Christ has forgiven you and has forgiven me. We got to love people. Now, I'm not saying you gotta like figure out a way to conjure this up, right? I gotta be more loving. I'm gonna try real hard tomorrow. Good morning. (laughs) Try to smile. No, listen, you know what the key, if you want to know the key of being more loving, here it is right here. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Because the fruit of the Spirit is, what's the first word? Love. Love. So when we're surrendered to the Holy Spirit, I'm not just talking about being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about Ephesians 5.18, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is controlling us, you know what's flowing out of us? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. You think that's gonna attract people or repel people? It's gonna attract people. And so in closing, I wanna contrast two pictures of two people up on a hill looking down at a city. First person, Jonah, Jonah chapter four, sitting up on the hill, arms crossed, indifferent, cold, looking down at a city full of people. Jonah. Second person, our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 19, who loves people so much, it brings him to tears. Do you guys remember that first Palm Sunday? You guys remember when he rode into Jerusalem on the prophesied donkey and presented himself as the king of Israel? You guys remember when his disciples were cheering? Blessed be the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Do you remember when the Pharisees, the self-righteous, were jeering? Hey, tell them to be quiet. They shouldn't be uh, praising you like that. And what was Jesus doing? While his disciples were cheering and the Pharisees were jeering, Jesus was tearing. And we'll take you there in May if you go with us or some other year to Israel. We'll take you to the Mount of Olives. We'll show you what Jesus saw. And Jesus comes around the corner on the, on the, the Mount of Olives there on the donkey and he sees Jerusalem. And you know what he does? He weeps. The word weep in the original Greek means to mourn and bewail. And everybody's probably like, what is going on with Jesus? Why? Because he's sobbing. Why? Because this was Israel's special day and they didn't get it. They didn't recognize their own Messiah and they rejected their Messiah. Now, thousands of Jews came to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Thank God for that. But as a nation, the nation of Israel 2,000 years ago rejected their Messiah. And so what was the result around AD 30, first Palm Sunday, 40 years later, AD 70, you can Google it. Judgment came down. And Jesus is crying. He's weeping. Now, what did the Lord say earlier to Jerusalem? I'll read it to you. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent against it or sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. And now you fast forward, and Jesus is crying over a city full of lost people. Jonah, he's cold, he's indifferent. They just turn to the Lord. They should be taught the ways of the Lord. He's not doing his job. Jesus, he's weeping. Why? because he loves people. Question is, what heart are we gonna have in 2022 to all people, saved people, lost people, anybody, everybody, what kind of heart are we gonna have, the heart of Jonah or the heart of Jesus?
So I'm completely out of time. But if you're here today, and ladies and gentlemen, if you're wondering, do I really have a relationship with the Lord? If you think you don't have a relationship with the Lord, listen, today's the day of salvation. Jesus loves you, but you can't work your way to heaven. You gotta understand that he died for your sins and he rose again. But the gospel of grace is on our website. So if you go to our website and you click on, I'm new here, click on knowing Christ, the gospel's there. Here's my encouragement to you. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Receive him as the Savior and Lord of your life. And then after you're saved, follow him in believer's baptism. Go public with your faith. Every time you read in the New Testament of someone who gets baptized, it's always after they believe, not before. And so tell the world, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ through the waters of baptism after you're saved, after you've received Christ as your Savior and Lord. And then if this is your church home, you wanna be here, go to Discover Calvary, find out how to get involved and how to get into the game and let 2022 be a, a year of joy in your walk with the Lord. I love you guys. Uh, Pastor Tiago, come on out.